This is the Ezra podcast, and this is an emergency podcast. There's just no other way to put it. It's an emergency podcast because everything that I gave you guys a few days ago, full breakdown for UFC 279, is no longer valid. It's no good. You could throw it out. Now, there's some good stickers because I break down the fighters, but as far as the matchups, they don't exist anymore. These matchups simply do not exist anymore. Now, the fighters exist. But a lot happened today. At a weigh-in, the day before the fight, a lot happened. Dominoes fell. And I always talk about how boxing leads to more conversation because there's more controversies in boxing. There's more politics. There's more, um, you know, guys on different sides of the streets. A lot more business to boxing that you have to talk about. So it's a sport that leans itself to more conversation. If you see football... They have off-season, they have free agency, they have a draft, they have trades. Baseball, basketball, they, you think that these things are very positive for them. Talking business, talking the sport constantly is what these leagues want, and boxing has that. Now, maybe it doesn't have it on like the main mainstream, right? Maybe there's not someone on ESPN radio talking boxing 24-7, but they could, right? And if boxing uh, became a more popular sport again, right, you would have... Honestly, if boxing became more popular sport, people would love it. People that cover the sports would love it because there's so much to talk about. That's just the truth of it. So if you do like boxing and you have a podcast for boxing or you talk boxing, you're a writer for boxing, you have something to do constantly. More than any other sport. I really believe that. More than any other sport. And I always said the UFC didn't have this because UFC just kind of follows the orders of the rankings. They kind of just, the fighters just do what the UFC tells them. The only thing anyone ever talks business about it or controversy about it is um, something that the UFC does like as far as fighters pay, right? That's it. That's a constant conversation you'll, you'll hear. When they do something wrong to a fight, like they don't let him out his contract and he has uh, more opportunities or stuff like that. That's the only really thing you'll ever hear. But because it doesn't have, you know, it's kind of run by one whole thing and one person kind of makes all the rules, you don't really have the controversy. But today, oh, today. Today was different. Today was an example of what boxing goes through on a constant basis. But because it was MMA, it just felt bigger. It felt huge. It felt like it, the every second of the day, like you needed to be checking your timeline on Twitter just over and over and over again. You needed to be hearing podcasts. You needed to be with live updates of what was going to happen. How was this going to play out? So it all starts off with the card we know, right? The one I broke down, Chimaya versus Diaz. It was going to be Diaz's punishment. It was going to be the guy to take out Diaz. For wanting out, for wanting to fight uh, Jake Paul, for want, uh, wanting other opportunities, right? Jim may have next big thing. He was going to use Diaz to skyrocket to the top, get his name out there. On the undercard, you had um, you had Kev- Kevin Holland versus Rodriguez, right? And that was a fight that Kevin Holland, uh, his third fight at one seventy. Going on a little run here. It was going to be a good stand-up fight. I think it was going to be very competitive. I think it would have been highly entertaining, right? And then you had Jing Lang versus Jin Liang versus Tony Ferguson, which was, you know, Tony Ferguson moving to 170, looking to see if he gets, you know, find some success. It was looking like a good spot for um, for Leach to get a good win over a decent name, right? It was looking like that because you know that Ferguson can't really take shots anymore like that. Moving to 170 with Lang's power, it, it was probably going to be a it was probably going to be a problem, honestly. So that's what it was looking like. 
and then this happens. Kamzat comes in about eight pounds overweight. Now, honestly, when he walked out there, it looked like he didn't care. Now, the explanation after, maybe that explains why he doesn't care. Or looks like he doesn't care, at least. But when you've seen this live, you're just kind of thinking, like, well, he did this on purpose. He clearly wasn't trying to make weight. He clearly had no interest in making weight. He never uh, put any thought into making weight. That's what it kind of, it's what it seemed like. Now, there was a post, and I don't see, I didn't see it really take off, but there was a post on Twitter that I saw of a person that, uh, Took a picture of Kamzat and she said she had seen Kamzat the night before and he was eating and he, he you know, he was uh, really, you know, just comfortable, relaxed, but eating a good amount of food. You know, if he was 10 pounds overweight, you would have to assume that probably couldn't eat the night before. Right. Not, not at least not a lot and was going to have to really work hard early in the morning to burn all that. But Kamzat says that um, a doctor decided that he couldn't cut anymore. Right, that they saw what he had to cut, the way he was looking, I guess, and they said, No, he's not gonna let him cut. They're gonna stop him from cutting. They didn't feel it was safe. Now, if they did do that, then that's not his fault. And maybe that would explain his face, right? Just like I don't I you know, what can I do? But it was just kind of a look of like he just didn't care. Even in my mind, I started running controversies, right? I started thinking uh you know, uh conspiracies. I started running conspiracies. I I, I thought maybe he did this because the whole thing with Holland. Right, he says, "Okay, Holland's fighting at 180 pounds. I'll come in at 180 pounds. They'll have to cancel an eight fight. They're gonna make something happen, and they'll put me in with Holland." Right? I don't know if he's that crafty. I don't know if he if he planned this out and it worked out perfectly for him. I don't know that. Now, some people believe that maybe the UFC had this planned. UFC had Holland waiting, weighing in a catchweight versus uh, Rodriguez, 180 pounds. Happens to be perfect weight that comes out, comes in at. Tony Ferguson is there for Nate Diaz. But the reason what that makes it a flaw of this is the leech came in at 170 and now has to fight a guy that came in at 180 pounds. That's the major flaw in that theory. Either way, adjustments had to be made to the card. So then this happens. And it was funny because someone had wrote on Twitter and they said, oh, you know, it's actually a lot of talent on this card. They're just kind of like not matched up correctly. And he explained this exact card. He explained uh, Jing Lang versus Rodriguez. He explained Chimaya versus Holland. And he... Uh, wanted Nate versus Ferguson. That's what he wanted. This is exactly what he said. He said that would have been the perfect card, right? Would have been the, the if, for if I could take these fires, that's the perfect card. And that's exactly what we got. He tweeted this out yesterday. And we got, and no one, and no one would have ever guessed that that was still a possibility. And that's exactly the card we're going to get. We're going to get a better card from this. All these things. And also, let me tell you what another reason why I saw it. But this would be a damn good card if they just made this and had three months to promote it and the guys at the right training camps. But another insane factor of it is none of these guys train for each other. And all these guys are getting the same notice for the change in the fight. But they all came in in fighting shape. It's insane. It's never, to me, never happened before. I've never seen anything like this. A complete change up. 
for three fights. All the guys are coming in on the, with, the, with the training camp. All the guys are coming in um, finding out that they have new opponents, not trained for each other. Like, really, the mental part of it, the the surprise element of it, they're all filling it. So, like, I, these are all good matches, but also it's just, like, the wild cardness of what could happen in these fights is very interesting. Very, very interesting to see how this plays out. But I'm breaking it down for a reason, right? I'm here for a reason. So let me break down how I think these fights play out. So I had to go back, watch a few tapes, just look for, you know, sometimes we watch a fight, you, you say if I watch Nate Diaz, right? I know Kamzat's going to try to take him down. So I got to watch Nate Diaz and see how he's watched uh, certain things that he does that I see will maybe be susceptible or be um, good at stopping and takedown or being able to counter it, right? Or why you comes up will be able to take him down easy or why what he might struggle at, what he might be good at against Nate Diaz, right? That's how I have to watch it. So it does kind of affect who his opponent is when I watch him because I'm watching them for that fight. So I had to go back and watch the guys again because I had to watch Diaz now for a fight with Tony Ferguson. And the fight with Tony Ferguson is definitely a stand-up fight. It's definitely more with the hands. I think that there's a chance that Diaz does use the clinch because Diaz does has been using the clinch more, especially as he's this part of his career. You see against Pettis, he uses the clinch. It's just a lot of fights he uses the clinch. I think he um I think it definitely is like um a little trick as he's getting kind of older too, of like being able to tire out the target and being able to work on the inside and not having to you know, he doesn't have to really use his balance on that. He can use his pressure against the fence, and he's very comfortable in a, in a grappling position because he always feels that he has the advantage as far as, like, a submission game, right? So he always feels comfortable, even if it got taken to his back. So I can see this fight at a certain range, right? And I think it's the Diaz forward range. But Ferguson is not a guy to give up range much. Uh, he's not a type of guy to move around the ring too much. He's kind of a guy that looks to stay in range either. So I think this is going to be a back-and-forth uh, fight. Now, the interesting part is they're both at 170 pounds. So I think they're both going to be kind of comfortable as far as, you know, no one's weight drained in this fight. They're all coming in. I think I always said that Nate Diaz isn't really 170 pounder. Tony Ferguson is not a real 170 pounder. These are guys that are 155. They just are choosing not to make the weight anymore. Now, I understand Ferguson wants a whole new start because he's running to a lot of, uh, of really no success. He's running to no success, 155 pounds and. To, frankly, as I described him before, I think he's, I think he's washed. I don't think that he's uh, nowhere near his prime. I don't think he's really has what it takes to be an effective fighter anymore. But I do admit that I saw things in the Chandler fight that I did like. I did think in the first round he'd look pretty good. Now, if you look at a lot of the problems he's had, right, and even the Chandler fight he ends up on his back against Oliveira, he gets taken down. Uh, Darius, he gets taken down, and he kind of just cannot control that pace, and it's just. He has no, even on the bottom, you know, he's active, but he could get kind of ragdolled a little bit. But when he can stay standing, he's still dangerous. I mean, he hurts Chandler in that fight. When he fight Gaethje, I mean, he was still hurting Gaethje. He was still landing good shots against Gaethje. And uh, Gaethje is the one I think uh, kind of took away his prime. It took away uh, him fighting at a high level. But I think the, the matchup with Diaz, who Diaz has not really had any success at 170 pounds either. Has that success in a while for his career? I think they're kind of in the same spot. I think they're kind of in a similar spot. 
And I think that we're getting what was supposed to be the, the Nate Diaz farewell, right? And it wasn't the farewell that I think that he deserved or um, was going to be positive for him or was going to be the, the send-off that, you know, will kind of show what Nate Diaz is. I think we're getting it. But I think we're getting two send-offs here because I really think we're getting a Tony Ferguson send-off as well. I think we're going to see the right way these guys should exit the, exit the sport in a matchup that makes sense for them, in a matchup that is going to lead to the positive parts of what they can do in the cage still. And that's these hands. And I think it's going to be a close range, back and forth, big shots. I think Nate's going to be cut up in this fight because I think that if he does go for a clinch, Tony's elbows, and he could get him in tight. He's very comfortable and going to let go. And these are two guys that are not going to hold back, and there's going to be shots going back and forth. And with the South Pole, Nate Diaz, I do think that he will get tagged up in this fight. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets dropped early. I think he's going to push on a pace for Ferguson. That Ferguson will begin to fall apart. I do think that Ferguson's chin is definitely not there anymore, but I don't think Nate has like that kind of power at 170 pounds. Right? I don't think Nate has ever had really that kind of power anyway, class, but I don't think he has that kind of power. I think that he's going to have to wear you down and tire you out, and I do think Ferguson has given his chin, but it's going to take a little bit more from Nate Diaz. It's not going to be like Chandler. I don't think he has Chandler power or Gaethje power, and I think that Nate Diaz will wear him down, right, and will put enough pressure, and will walk through the shots and survive the cuts. In a bloody all-out action fight, I think Nate Diaz takes it, and I'm going to say he's going to stop him in the fourth round of the fight and just kind of breaks him down it's just kind of the reach um the constant work and ferguson well good in spots but constantly having to reset definitely not going to have the same legs that he once had and probably for his one shot nate's going to be landing three that's the way i kind of see this fight and i can see the ferguson kind of being stuck against the fence a lot in this fight and looking to kind of respond to nate's offense and i think it will be effective early him responding but i think as the fight goes on and the waves of waves of punches come and as diaz kind of gets in his rhythm and diaz gets comfortable and after he's comfortable kind of taking shots because diaz kind of just gets better taking shots as the fight goes on it's kind of has to warm up to it and that's maybe a weird thing to understand or uh, a weird logic but he does he gets better taking shots Early on, you could, you will see Nate Diaz fall. You'll see him kind of react to shots. But as the fight goes on and he's bleeding and he's working through, he's he's in his comfort zone. And I think he's going to put it on him. And I do think the clinch will be more effective later in the fight. And I'm going to take Nate Diaz by a TKO in this fight to get the stoppage in the fourth round and to exit the UFC in a way that we didn't expect him to exit. And he will be the final, get the final laugh, right? He'll get the last laugh against the UFC. He'll walk off, walk off in the, uh, to the sunset, just flipping off the UFC. And that's the truth. And I think that this is a good send-off for Ferguson. I, um, too, I think this is the perfect send-off for him. This is going to show the warrior that he is. Uh, it's going to go out, not him, you know, exactly uh, destroyed or uh, one-sided or just kind of like, oh, goodness, like Ferguson just kind of, you know, we almost kind of like feel bad for him. No, I think we're going to walk away from this. Like, damn, that was a great fight. Damn, those are two great warriors. I'm going to miss these guys in the UFC. I'm going to miss watching these two guys fight. And it's going to be a reminder of why we love these guys when they fought. I think this has to make this could be like almost like a Gotti Ward type fight here. Remember when Gotti Ward fought, like Ward was kind of, you know, maybe he was going on a little run, but they would never consider like, oh, he's going to be a champion or, or Gotti was never considered like, oh, he's about to be a champion. It was just kind of like, hey, this is a good matchup. 
if you think about Brandon uh, Real versus uh, Mike Alvarado, it's just a good matchup. It's just like you know it when you see it and you're like, mm, I need to see this. That's exactly what we have here, Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson. It's just a damn good matchup. And it's two guys that are looking to inflict pain. And it's two guys that are looking to be um, in an all-out action fight and not afraid. And they're not going to hold back and are not going to second-guess what their actions are. They're just going to go. I think this is a very interesting fight. And it's a perfect matchup for these two guys at this point of their career. And maybe at any point, these two guys will always been in a war. I'm glad we are getting it. It's weird that it worked out that we are getting it, but I think this is a very good fight. Like I said, I'm taking Nate Diaz in it. In the cold main, we got uh, Kamzat Chimaev or Hamzat Hamzat Chimaev versus uh, Holland. And uh, in a fight that I said, if uh, they both won this weekend, I thought they were going to fight next because I thought that Usman would be occupied with the rematch with Leon Edwards. For the title, and I and everyone else top ten, I kind of seen like I I kind of think Burns and Kobe are gonna match up. So I I, I always kind of thought that this was gonna be the fight. I just who would have guessed it'd be to, it'd be this weekend. Now a thing to remember when you think of Chimaev and Holland is that remember in 2020 when Chimaev broke onto the scene in 2020, he had three fights. He had one that was like one week after it was. He had one fight and they needed a replacement, so he stepped in and fought the next week. This is when they were doing no crowd fights, so it was kind of like fighters stood in the bubble and they kind of had to like reuse them over and over again. So Chimay have popped in the scene because he had three wins and they were all dominant. I think people forget though that in that same year, Holland had five wins and they were all dom- dominant, and one of them was Jacare. And the talk was that this was a future matchup. From the people that follow the sport, they thought, some people thought, like, I don't even know Chimaev's a guy. It might be Holland, right? That that was, uh, those were conversations to be being had. Then Holland ran into some trouble, right? Ran into Brunson, Vittori, and when it got to the grappling, he was being able to be controlled and put on his back, and he really wasn't effective from there. Now, Chimaev doesn't run into that. He gets... Uh, he gets, actually gets COVID, though, uh, disappears for a while, kind of stops all, halts all his momentum, comes back, uh, gets two wins, has probably the fight of the year against Gilbert Burns. You know, a great, fantastic fight. And now he has all the hype, and he's knocking on the door. And Holland's at the point kind of like where he's rebuilding his career. But Holland has two wins, can't move down to 170. Now it's two wins. Looked pretty good for uh, in his two fights. And like I said, who who knows who knew this is going to happen? This is where we're going to be at. But Holland in one fight can take everything Chimaev has gained. And at the point where they were looking like a meeting, and then Holland runs into all that trouble in the cage, right? And he he really gets um, all the expectations for him, all the hype for him gets stopped immediately. And Chimaev now is at the point where he's right the cusp of a title shot. Holland could take that all away. He could take all that away this weekend. And he would they would completely flip on their where their positions are. You know, uh, Chimaev missing weight on a massive opportunity he had against Nate Diaz. Now, if he loses to Holland, he's in, you know, it's kind of shaky grounds at that point. He's gonna have to rebuild a little bit. He's gonna fall back a lot. Now, if Holland, who's already has two wins of welterweight, already had been considered kind of like a prospect before, and if he beats Chimaev, 
oh, then he he's gonna skyrocket. And he also stepped in on this fight at late notice. And remember, Chimay is kind of the the one that should be punished here because he didn't make weight. Holland took this fight. He didn't have to do that. He's doing the UFC a favor. So the, the, if he wins this fight, I mean, the UFC is gonna look at this and be, you know, first of all, they're gonna be grateful for this guy to do this, but also. You're going to say he beat the hype train at Chimaev. He at one point was this kind of hype train, and now he's looking uh, dominant at welterweight. He might be next in line for a title shot. It's really good flip just like that. That's the interesting part. The only thing, though, is if you heard of Holland's interview, and if you know Holland's uh, history, he's a real mental case. And I think that he doesn't have, he lacks confidence. And he sometimes, I think he makes it, I think he makes it very clear that he lacks confidence. And Everything he said going into this fight with Chimaev, it seems like he thinks he's going to lose this fight. And I think he's pretty clear that he thinks he's going to lose this fight. They asked him if this is a good matchup. He says, you know, no, right? Is this a better matchup for him? No. I mean, I think that's honest, right? It doesn't mean because something's not a good matchup for you that you think you're going to lose. Maybe it's just, hey, it's a tougher matchup than what I had. I think that's true. Now, I think we can all agree that that's correct. But then he also says, you know, oh, my family knows I can't wrestle. Right, they ask him, you know, hey, you, uh, this fight's five rounds. You wanted the five rounds. He said, yeah, because you know, he struggled with burns later in the fight. Got ran out of the gas tank. I agree with that. That's why I said Nate Diaz's only chance was that Chimaev would burn himself out the first three to four rounds, and Nate Diaz could make a push late. So Holland says, let's get in the champ, let's get championship rounds in this, and then let's see where he's at there, right? And they says, they said, do you see this fight going five? And he goes, well, I don't see myself getting stopped. So, yeah, it'll go five. So, what he's saying there is that I know he's going to put a beating on me, but I think I'm going to be able to survive it. I think we, I'll survive to the later rounds. So, yeah, I think it's going to go five, but most likely he's going to put it on me because I can't wrestle, and I don't believe myself I can stop this guy's takedown. Take he said, they said, oh, you wanted this fight. He said, I never said I wanted this fight. He's he letting you know he play, let's all in sleep. He doesn't have a poker face. He's letting you know that he's not confident. He's going into this fight worried. He's going into this fight kind of making excuses or kind of trying to soften the landing of defeat. And I can see it. And he's not trying to hide it, so I could see it. Everyone could see it. Now, you could try to make uh excuses for what he's saying or trying to say oh he doesn't mean it like that or you know he's just playing play mind games no he's not he really isn't i've seen holland react in fights before and he, he makes it very clear and the way he talks yeah i've seen him on the Jerome podcast he softens the landing because he doesn't truly believe that he can do it right he has the doubts in his brain he has a lot of doubts in his mind whether he can be it at the top level now i don't think you may have has that now, I did think it was kind of interesting the way Chimaya reacted to the crowd booing him. It kind of affected him. I seen it. It kind of affected him. And he started responding to them. And I'm curious that if that could get him out of his game, this is the part where I say the randomness of these fights and the, could play out maybe a way that something you're missing, right? And what if Chimaya decides to stay aggressive and stay standing Holland? I think that'd be a major mistake because Holland is very good standing up, right? Now, he loses himself, sure. But he has natural ability, and he's got good timing, and he's got um, he's got a good distance. He understands distance. Now he loses himself with legs, yes. But if I think he go in there with Chimaev, who you as you've seen could could have holes in his defense, right? He's aggressive, but a little bit stands up to, um, stiff, stands up straight. Um, chin's kind of in the same spot, head's kind of in the same spot. Against a guy like Holland, he could get knocked out cold. So if he, he Let's the crowd affect him, which is they're gonna boom tomorrow. They're gonna 
be against him. They're going to be rooting for Holland in the fight just because the way it played out because he did not fight Nate Diaz. Now everybody's saying, oh, you're afraid of Nate fighting Nate Diaz. You messed this up. You weren't being professional. You weren't taking it serious. He came out smiling when you were going to miss weight. Is he going to look to try to prove a point? Right. Also, these guys have beef, right? The, 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 before the press conference, these guys almost get into it. Before they even knew they were going to fight each other, they almost get into it, right? So is that going to throw off Chimaev in his game? Now, I'm just going to assume that it doesn't. I'm going to assume that Chimaev gets straight to it. He's going to throw a one-two and dive straight in Holland's legs. If that's the case, then Holland has to. Holland and his team have to come up with a plan to say, hey, we our best opportunity is within these first five seconds. We got to catch him when he's coming in aggressively for our legs. Now, if we force the issue and get him on his back step, then that's good too, right? That's that's great. If he doesn't even shoot for a takedown, but we get him on his back foot, then that's great. And then we just ride that momentum and see where we go from there. But these first five seconds, if he's going to go in aggressively at our legs, we got to land something uh, worthwhile. We got to make him pay for it. Now, I think that if Jim gets in on Colin and gets him down to the ground, it's the beginning of the end. And I understand that Holland says that he thinks he survive. I don't think he survives that. Now, Holland is a black bound jiu-jitsu. But I've seen him get controlled by Vittori. I've seen him get controlled by Brunson. And I think that Chimayev is much better than both of them, especially on the ground, especially on top. I think Chimayev would pound him out. I think that eventually Holland would give up something because he wouldn't like the position. Um, he would he would know he's probably not going to survive those shots. And he would look to give in to something. I think I'm going to take the surprising pick. I'm going to pick Chimaev by submission, and I'm going to take him in the second round of this fight. I think he really, I think he gets in on Holland early, takes him down, begins to land big shots on top. I think that that will make Holland um, feel like maybe the, he could get stopped there, and I think that he will start rolling into bad positions, and I think that Jimmy could take advantage of that, and I think that eventually Holland will give up something as far as maybe his back, an arm, that allows Jimmy to get wrap up the submission and get the stoppage in this fight. It's all very key, though, on that first five seconds. It's all very key of Holland can offer something offensively or defensively or um Take away some kind of position for Chimayev that he doesn't feel confident in that takedown. Now, if this fight does go rounds, right, and Holland is able to survive or he's able to keep it close or able to keep it standing and keep it competitive, it will be very interesting to Chimayev later in the rounds, especially if he did really try to make weight and he just couldn't do it. Because I already said I was worried about his gas tank when I see him fight Burns, right? If he has gas tank problems, the fourth to fifth round will be very interesting, especially with just Holland's power. And his speed and his timing. I think it will get very, very interesting if we get to the fourth and fifth round of this fight. I just don't expect us to see us there. In the third fight that I'm covering, Lee Jing Lang versus Rodriguez. And Rodriguez, who to me, like with his punches, they're technically better than Lee. But the thing with Lee is, First of all, he's he believes in his offense. He's wild with his offense, but he believes in it. And his his foot speed, right? It's not bad. It's a, he could get him in and out, and he could explode with some big shots. Now Rodriguez is gonna beat him down the middle. He's probably gonna beat him with the first shot, first one twos on the southpaw stance. He's gonna beat uh, Jing Lang to a lot of positions. He's gonna beat him to a lot of shots. 
but he could after uh, Rodriguez's one two, he loses himself. He's got to reset, right? He he's got a good one two, but then he loses himself and he loses his back leg, and that's the part where he will once he loses himself. If you respond, he's gonna get wild and he's gonna look to flurry. That will be Lee Jang Ling's opportunity to catch Rodriguez. Now remember, Rodriguez came in at 180 pounds for the weigh-in. Lee came in at 170. So this is the fight where really effective and Lee is kind of the one taking the brunt of the result of Kamzat not making weight. Is He's fighting a guy that's 10 pounds heavier than him. And I think it might be technically the better striker than him. But he will have opportunities in this fight. And he could draw, draw us into a war. And I think this might actually turn into a very uh, competitive war as long as Lee can withstand that big left hand. I think that Rodriguez is going to land early in this fight. I think that it will quickly, quickly turn into a back and forth exchanges of, of punches. And I think that you'll see Rodriguez's technique fall apart at times in major ways. And I think that if it does fall apart, I think Jing Lang is going to be better in those exchanges than he is. But when he's able to set himself and set his shots up, he's going to be more effective. Rodriguez. I think we get a first round that breaks out into all-out war. I think you get a second round. Similar things, but you're going to start noticing Rodriguez's first one-two landing very clean. And I think in the third round, you see a stoppage with the straight left. The weight is going to play a factor in this fight. Remember, Rodriguez... Um, He's a bigger man, but he also didn't have to cut so as much, right? And and Lee did do the full cut, 170 pounds. So he's getting with the weight advantage, but he also did a full cut. So that's another thing that's going to play against him. I think he's going to be in there tough. I think he's going to be in there competitively. But I just think I'm going to believe in the straight one, two, and the straight left hand to be more effective and get this get the win for Rodriguez. I think this is what turned into me what I thought was a bad card. That's what I explained last time I broke it down. I think it turned into a good card. Now, I think there's a lot of wild cards of what's going on, so it, it could be a complete disaster. It could be three one-sided fights. But as far as, like, intrigue and the matches going up and as, as far as the intrigue of everything, how it just kind of played out, I'm, I'm very intrigued in this fight. My excitement is very high. I want to see how this whole kind of card plays out. I think that this card really needed what happened, if we're being honest. And I think we got the main event. I think we got the great co-main event. And I think we got the um, that third belt is interesting. I, I kind of feel bad for Jing Liang because he made way. He did what he was supposed to, and he still kind of got screwed in the situation. I hope they're taking care of him, taking care of him financially. I hope his manager worked that out because you know he deserves that. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the emergency pre-fight breakdown for UFC 279. This is, is the S. Podcast.